0: Amen. Well, if you please take your Bible and turn to me at this time, we are in the book of Isaiah this morning. Isaiah chapter 9 and verses 6 and 7. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. This Advent season, we have been uh, looking at four great prophecies of Christmas on Sunday mornings. And today is the fourth Sunday of Advent. And so today we come to our fourth and final prophecy uh, in the series. And uh, so far, we've looked at the prophecy of a great battle, the prophecy of a great star, and the prophecy of a great sign. Uh, Today, we come to the fourth prophecy, the prophecy of a great king. And on Christmas Eve, we're going to wrap it all up as we look at Jesus, a great savior. Uh, But this morning, we're looking at the prophecy of a great king. We're in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this uh, new prophecy that we're going to look at this morning. And God, I pray as we look at it, you would help us to grasp the full sweep of scripture, and God, just how you are in control of all of history, that you not only know the end from the beginning, but by your own power you cause these things to pass. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish these things, and you have. And so, Lord, open our hearts to your word this morning, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, please be seated. Well, out of the four prophecies we've looked at in this Advent season, today's prophecy is probably the most well-known of all of them. And, you know, so many songs and hymns and and, uh, other writings, devotions, have been written around these verses, uh, including Handel's famous... Messiah, for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. You just hear those phrases and immediately you say, that's Christmas, that's Christmas. You recognize it right away, don't you? And then the four names that are given to this child uh, in this prophecy all resonate with us. And uh, although you know, not, not everybody can name all four names, most of us, you'll recognize that the name Wonderful Counselor and Prince of Peace. You say, yeah, I've heard that, I know that. So this is a familiar prophecy. It's one that people immediately identify with Christmas as soon as they hear it. But this morning, we want to look a little more closely at it. We, we want to look at the deeper meaning of this. How was this prophecy received by those who first heard it? And in what specific ways is it a prophecy of Christmas? How does it relate to Christmas? And so just as we've done with the previous prophecies in this series, we're going to first look at the background of the prophecy. We want to understand the background. Then we'll look at the content of the prophecy. What does the prophecy actually say? What was it prophesying? And then finally, we will look at the fulfillment of the prophecy as found in the birth of Jesus at Christmas. There is an outline in your worship guide. I encourage you to take that out. It will help you to follow along in the different points and There's room there to jot down some notes as we go along, if you would like as well. So we begin with the background of the prophecy. And the background of this particular prophecy is found in the three prophecies we've already looked at in our series. All of the prophecies work together, and they build upon each other. And so the prophecy of a great battle, of a great star, of a great sign, all three of these prophecies form the background for our prophecy uh, this morning. So this is a great time just to take a quick review of where we've been. We started off the first great prophecy of Christmas was the prophecy of a great battle. And we go, boy, we don't usually think of a battle in Christmas at the same time, but we found this prophecy in Genesis 3.15, where God told Satan this. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head And you will strike his heel. So in this prophecy, we learn that a specific individual would be born of the seed of the woman and that this individual would defeat Satan and his seed. We also saw that in this prophecy, there's an early hint of the virgin birth uh, when we saw the emphasis on the seed of the woman rather than the seed of the man. We saw that this is the first prophecy in all of Scripture, first prophecy in the Bible, and that it is specifically a messianic prophecy. In other words, a prophecy about the coming Messiah who will end this battle, who will deliver God's people from all of their enemies. That was our first prophecy. Second great prophecy of Christmas we looked at was the prophecy of a great star. In the prophecy of a star, we learn that the Messiah would be a king. So that's our first inkling that he would be a king who comes from the line of Judah. We found this prophecy in Numbers 24, 17, which says this. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the sons of Israel of Sheth. And we saw that the star and the scepter, those are royal terms. The scepter brought us back to an earlier prophecy in Genesis 49.10, which foretold a royal line of kings from the tribe of Judah and, and uh, leading up to the Messiah. And then uh, this prophecy of the star tells us that this, this king who comes from the line of Judah, Judah, he's the one who will crush the heads of God's enemies. And so that brings us back to the first prophecy of Christmas, right? The prophecy of the great battle, where we learn that when Messiah comes, he will crush the head of the serpent and the seed of the serpent, all of God's enemies. You see how all of these prophecies work together. And then the third prophecy, the one we looked at last week, the prophecy of the great sign, we learned that great sign would be the virgin birth. And we read this, Isaiah seven fourteen: the virgin will be with child, She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And there we learn the Messiah would be born of a virgin and that this male child born of a virgin, born of the seed of the woman, not of the man, would also signal God's presence with us on earth. So all of that now leads us up to today's prophecy, this fourth great prophecy of Christmas, the prophecy of a great king. Now interestingly, this great prophecy is found in Isaiah chapter 9. That's just two chapters after last week's prophecy. The other ones have been more spread out, right? We had Genesis, and we jumped all the way to Numbers, and all the way to Isaiah chapter 7. Now you just go two chapters, and you're up to the next prophecy. And the two prophecies are very similar to each other. They both speak of the birth of a child, specifically a son. The similarity in content, their close proximity in Scripture, show that these two prophecies belong together and that they should be interpreted together. and So that's how we're going to interpret them this morning. There are three parts to this prophecy. We read it earlier at the beginning of the message, but now let's look at each of those parts. The first part is this. The prophecy tells us that the child is born who is a king. A child is born who is a king. Isaiah 9, the first part of verse 6. For to us a child is born, To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Once again, notice the similarity in phrasing between this prophecy and last week's prophecy of the great sign. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us, a child is born. Statement about a child. To us, a son is given. Statement about a son. And the government will be on his shoulders. A descriptive phrase about the two. What did Isaiah seven fourteen say? The virgin will be with child. Statement about a child. She will give birth to a son. Statement about a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, descriptive phrase about the child. And this similarity in phrasing, the the close proximity in Scripture tells us the child in Isaiah 7 who's going to be born of a virgin, same child, okay? Same child when you get to Isaiah chapter 9. This child who is born a king. Isaiah says the government will be on his shoulders. That's a little baby in the manger. The government is on this baby's shoulders. It's another way of saying that this child is born a king. That's the first part of the prophecy. And then secondly... The second part tells us this child who is born a king will be called by divine names. He will be called by divine names. We read this in the second part of verse 6 now. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so first Isaiah tells us he will be called Wonderful Counselor. The word translated wonderful in that name, it's a word that means astonishing, miraculous, beyond understanding, a miracle of of God. And, And then you pair that word wonderful with counselor, and this first name Wonderful Counselor tells us that this child who is born a king will be filled with divine wisdom. If you're taking notes... Right on your outline there, it says Wonderful Counselor. Right next to that, just write those words, Divine Wisdom. Divine Wisdom. He knows things that only God can know. That's the first name. Second name, he will be called Mighty God. Well, there's a divine name if I ever heard one, right? And the emphasis in this name is on power, Mighty God. And that word that's translated mighty here is a word that means hero. Or champion or warrior. Oh, now we're back to the battle imagery again, right? This child who is born a king not only has divine wisdom, he also has divine power. Once again, you can write that right on your outline if you like, next to mighty God. Divine power. He not only knows things that only God can know, he does things that only God can do. He is a warrior. He is a champion who goes forth to conquer God's enemies as prophesied in our first great prophecy of Christmas, the prophecy of the great battle. Third name, he will be called Everlasting Father. This is another divine name. And the emphasis emphasis here is on God as the divine source of all Life. And if you're taking notes, you can write divine source there. The divine source of all life. This child is everlasting. That means he does not come into existence at his birth or even at his conception. But he has always existed. He always will exist. He is not only everlasting, he is called everlasting Father, which means he is the creator. He is not God the father. We know this is God the son. But by calling him everlasting father, a father is the source of life. It is saying he is the creator. He who has no beginning himself, he is the cause of all other beginnings. He is the creator of all things. He is the divine source of all life. And then fourthly, he will be called Prince This is another divine name. The emphasis here is on his sovereign rule as God. And once again, if you're jotting these down, you can write divine sovereignty next to Prince of Peace. That word translated prince, simply the word for ruler. It simply means he's going to be a ruler who brings peace. He is the Prince of Peace, a ruler of peace. He brings universal peace To the world. You take all four of these names, you put all of them together, and Isaiah is saying this child will be, he will have divine wisdom, divine power, divine life, and divine sovereignty over all the nations. In other words, he will be divine himself. Or as the prophecy put it in Isaiah 7 14, two chapters earlier, he will be called. Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we're looking at the content of this prophecy. Number one, first part, a child is born who is a king. Secondly, this child who is born will be called by divine names. And then the third part is this, he will reign on David's throne forever. This is such an important part of the prophecy. We read this in verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And this is yet another indication that this child who's going to be born, this is the Messiah. Because one of the most important messianic prophecies ever given was given back in 2 Samuel chapter 7. God was speaking to David. God gave David a promise. He said, This He says, David, when your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Do you remember how we said that there is a progressive narrowing of the prophecies concerning Messiah as you work your way forward to the Old Testament? It starts off real general, doesn't it? Back in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, when we learn that the Messiah will be the seed of the woman. Well, that could be almost anybody, right? And then later on, Genesis 12, we learn that he'll come from the seed of Abraham. Oh, that narrows it down a bit. Then Genesis 49, we learn he'll come from the tribe of Judah. Here in 2 Samuel 7, we learn that he'll come from the line of David. Later on, Isaiah 7, we learn that he'll be born of a virgin. That really narrows it down, doesn't it? But you see this narrowing down of the prophecies. And Isaiah 9, 7, it picks up once again on all of these earlier prophecies And he says, this child who is born a king and who is called by divine names, he is the one who will reign on David's throne forever. He is the promised Messiah who comes with divine wisdom, divine power, divine life, and divine sovereignty in order to bring peace to the whole world and to reign on David's throne forever. You know, there were a lot of kings who came after David. And they all came and they went. They came and they went. They all died out. But the promise given here, uh, as as the people received this promise, was there's a king coming. And not only is he going to be a good king, he's going to be the best king. And not only will he be the best king, he will bring peace over all the earth. And his reign will never end. What an amazing promise. What an amazing prophecy. Of Christmas. So we've looked at the background of the prophecy. It's all tied up in the three prophecies we've looked at earlier. We've looked at the content of the prophecy here in Isaiah chapter 9. So now finally we want to look at the fulfillment of the prophecy and the birth of Jesus at Christmas. Now remember this prophecy had three parts to it, right? What we're going to do now is we're going to look at those three parts again. We're going to see how does Jesus fulfill each of the three parts of this prophecy? What was the first part? A child will be born who is a king. That was the first part. A child will be born who is a king. Well, when you come to the New Testament, what do you find? We find that Jesus was indeed born a king. He was born a king. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, the testimony of the Magi. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Notice what the Magi don't ask. They don't ask, Where's the one who has been born who will one day become king of the Jews? right? No. They ask, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? In other words, it's not that Jesus would one day become king. No, Jesus was born a king. Now, there are not many people who are already born kings, born already a king. Plenty of people are born who eventually become kings, right? Plenty of people are born who are maybe next in line for the throne. But has anyone ever been born already a king? Only one that I know of, right? Our Lord Jesus. Jesus was born a king with the government upon his shoulders, just as Isaiah had prophesied so many years before. Jesus fulfills the first part of the prophecy. Second part of the prophecy said that this king would be called by divine names, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Fast forward to the New Testament, what do we find? We find that Jesus is indeed called by divine names. He is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is named Jesus, which means God saves, or God is salvation. He is called Christ, uh, another word uh, which means the Messiah. And most importantly of all, he is called Lord, Lord. We read this in Philippians chapter 2. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father Lord is God's personal covenant name from the old testament let me tell you something god does not share his name with anyone else okay no one else gets called lord except god and here jesus is called Lord Jesus is God. He is the son of God. He is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He is Emmanuel, he is Christ, the Lord. Jesus fulfills the second part of this prophecy, doesn't he? He is called by divine names. And then the third part of the prophecy said that this child who is born a king and who is called by divine names, this child will reign on David's throne forever. And once again, when you jump into the, the Christmas narratives in the New Testament, it's front and center. It's right there. Uh, we know that God sent his angel Gabriel to Mary. And uh, Mary was troubled when uh, the angel greeted her. But we read this, uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 30 to 33. Gabriel says to Mary, he says, Do not be afraid, Mary, You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Quoting Isaiah 7, 14 there, our third prophecy. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. Divine names. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Once again, Gabriel's words to Mary, these uh, these words are a direct fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy here in Isaiah 9-7. Jesus was born a king. He is called by divine names. He will reign on David's throne forever. Jesus fulfills all three parts of this great prophecy of Christmas. And so the good news of Christmas is this that the king who was promised so many years ago in the Old Testament was born into our world on Christmas Eve. That baby in the manger is more than just a nice idea or, or just a sentimental photo op for a Christmas card. No, he is the seed of the woman who will defeat Satan and all the enemies of God. He is the ruler from the line of Judah whose appearance was marked by a miraculous star in the sky. He is the child born of the virgin and he is the great king who comes in the line of David to reign forever. Jesus Christ is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is wonderful counselor, mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And this is why we bow down and worship the baby in the manger. The promised King has come. And so God tells us to respond. O come, let us adore Him. Amen? Let us pray. Dear Lord, we marvel at this beautiful prophecy prophesied 700 years uh, before jesus was even born we marvel at what it tells us about you lord jesus that you are the great king that you are divine that you are worthy of all glory and honor and worship and praise the magi of long ago knew that you were a king that you had been born a king they came ready to bow down and to worship you and to present their gifts to you. Lord, this morning we come and we give you the gift of our heart. We give you the gift of our worship. For you have given us the greatest gift of all, our Lord Jesus Christ, our great King and Savior. We praise you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.